going to continue as um, we pray for the summation of this message that I believe is so relevant for today. Um, Jesus, one of the, Jesus, the greatest preacher ever, uh, preached in Luke 6 and gave a dynamic message that I believe is so relevant. And uh, we're going to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us to not conclude that message, but to bring a summation of that message so that you can apply it to your life uh, this morning and, and for this year. So uh, let's pray. Then we're going to go to Isaiah 26, verses 16 to 17. So let's pray, and then I'll give you an opportunity to turn in your Bible or your smartphone to Isaiah 28, verses 16 to 17. Heavenly Father, we need you. Um, we thank you for your word. Um, we pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to us, Lord God, uh, your prophetic word for this hour. Um, we ask for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide um, our time together. And so we honor and we praise you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right. So take a couple of seconds. Turn to the book of Isaiah. It's in the uh, Old Testament. Isaiah is one of the uh, prophets that a book was named after him. Uh, a very important prophet, as we're going to see uh, throughout our time together this morning. Um, Isaiah is so, so important that he has been called the evangelical prophet. Uh, he's called the prophet because he's one, if not the most vital prophet that gives us the coming of the Messiah and the redemptive work of Jesus. And so Isaiah is a tremendous prophet. If you're familiar with the book of Isaiah, you might be familiar with Isaiah chapter 6, the call of Isaiah. And that's an important chapter to read. If you read no other part of the book of Isaiah, read Isaiah chapter 6 and see how God called him and how God says, I need someone to go for me. I need someone to be my voice. And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Is there anyone this morning watching online or here that would make that declaration? Here am I, Lord, send me. Praise God. Isaiah 28, 16 and 17. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. It begins and says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. So in the Old Testament, at any time you hear someone would use these words, thus saith the Lord, that they are speaking on behalf of God. That should humble us, shouldn't it? That God actually wants to speak through us to speak his word. And so Isaiah has an audience. He has the United Kingdom. He has... Uh, both Israel and Judah. Um, it was considered the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They had split ten kingdom, ten tribes was over here, and there were two other tribes. And so Isaiah is speaking. And though most prophets have the nation that they were speaking to, in this particular chapter, Isaiah is speaking to both because one tribe or one nation was laughing at the other one, saying, ah, God's going to judge you. He's not going to judge me. Isaiah says, oh, no, he's going to judge all of you. That everybody's going to get judged. That's a good thing. Come on, somebody, that everybody's going to get judged. And so it begins, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes, there's the choice, will not be in haste. 
And then verse 17, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will overwhelm the shelter. The Amplified Translation puts it this way. Therefore, the Lord God says this. Listen carefully. I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for the secure foundation, firmly placed. He who believes, and he expands what that means, who trusts and relies on and adheres to that stone. You see the qualification right there? He said, if you are an individual that believes, that you trust in, you rely on, and you adhere to that stone, you will not be disturbed. Oh, that's so good. Or give way in sudden panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the mason's level. Then hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and waters will flood over the secret hiding place. You see, brothers and sisters, one of the biggest weapon of the enemy is he is a liar. It's one of the biggest weapons. And the most dangerous thing for you and I to do is when we believe a lie, we empower the liar. And that's why it's very important that we understand the word of the Lord, because there are three voices that are speaking to you. There is the voice of the enemy, which is always a lie. He mixed truth into it to bring deception. His truth is never truth from the perspective that it's truth. It's always deception. And if he just came blank and just lied to you, you wouldn't believe him. So he mixed in truth, he mixed in scripture because he knows if you don't know the word of God, then he can deceive you. And one of the most dangerous thing and one of the hardest thing is first and foremost, how to lead yourself. It's probably the hardest responsibility you have is how do you lead your own life? And so the first thing is the voice of the enemy. The second voice is that of your voice. How many know you have a voice, right? You have thoughts. And there is where the choice comes in because we have to understand that we serve a sovereign God who controls everything. You got to write that down. He controls everything. There's nothing that you can ever get your mind to conceive that you can say, well, God, I'm bigger than you. It doesn't exist. But because you have a voice, you have choices. And that's where in the realm of God's authority is where you and I can make decisions and live our lives not as robots. Are you following me so far? So in that, you have your voice. That's why you can just speak anything you want to speak. But the Bible says that every word spoken will be judged. That every word that you speak out will be judged. The Bible even says that be careful not to be a teacher because if you're a teacher, you'll be judged at an even higher level because if you teach lies and people believe the lie and you empower the liar, you've just caused destruction in somebody else's life. Are you with me so far, somebody? So we've got to recognize our own voice. And then finally, there's the voice of God. The voice of God. And so Isaiah now, he's speaking the voice of God. And so you see why life is complicated. Because prior to the fall of mankind, there was really just one voice, the voice of God. 
And that voice was dictating the life of Adam and Eve. That was the voice. I didn't say the voice of the enemy didn't exist. It was there. I'm not saying we didn't have our voice. It was there. But God's voice was the main one. And God's voice, write this down, is to be obeyed. It's to be obeyed. What the enemy challenged was, was Adam, Eve, will you obey the voice of God? And so disobedience really led to the fall of mankind. First, it began with disbelief, and it worked its way into disobedience. And if you look at every relationship that you have that goes south, it's probably because of some lie that was believed. And it takes a lot of hard work to really get at the truth. And who has time for that, right? I mean, let's be honest. We've got so many things to do. Life is so complicated. Who really has time to sit down and let's get to the truth of what's going on? Because in doing that, you will expose the voice of the enemy. You will expose your voice because we need to hear the voice of God. And we definitely don't want to hear the voice of God. Why? Because the voice of God, write this down, will always challenge our belief, not our behavior. The voice of God goes after your belief, not your behavior. Because he'll get to your behavior. He'll judge that. But it's right based on what you believe that God says about an issue. Not what Satan says about an issue. Come on. Not what you think about an issue, but what does God say about an issue? That's the key component. And if we're asking for direction for this nation, we better get to the place where we start asking, God, what are you saying? We better get to that place because I don't know about you, but I hate being deceived. I feel like I'm violated. I feel like the enemy just got, got one up on me and I hate it. I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. You know what I'm saying? I hate to lose. And I, and I hate when the enemy gets one up on me. And I believe the lie because my emotions got in the way. Because life is complicated. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he tells us. And he preaches this message. And he says, listen, you got to make a decision. Either you're a foolish builder or you're a wise builder. Now, based on the voice that you listen to. And in Isaiah, he was telling them that these leaders were telling lies because they were drunk. He says his leaders were drunk. He wasn't debating whether or not about drinking. He says that they were taking drinks that were strong and they were not being influenced by the substance they were taking. in. so therefore, they were not cognitive. They were not aware of what God was really doing. And because they were under the influence of another substance, the way they were directing things was not godly. Are you with me so far, somebody? So my question for you is, who is influencing you? As you lead your life and lead the life of other people, who is really influencing you? Who's really making the decisions for this nation? Come on, church. This is our responsibility because the world is absolutely confused. Life is complicated. And so we have to get to a place where we hear, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. This is the way. Walk in it. And it requires the church now to be able to walk in obedience to what God is saying. And so Isaiah comes and says, what we need is the redemptive work of Jesus to be made known. What we must understand is that the Old Testament is really the book of God's will it's God's voice and if we don't follow God's voice we're in for a major major 
major collapse. You see, Isaiah is in this particular message, and Isaiah is rebuking um, the leaders. Isaiah is saying, because of you, this is what's going on. He says, it's hard to hear God's voice on my own, but when you now are under the influence and your voice is not lined up with the voice of God, you make it even that much more challenging. Because ultimately, here's what they were saying. Isaiah's message was quite simple. You see, when life is complicated, you don't need a complicated message. (laughs) You really don't. What you need is really a simple message. And the simple message that Isaiah was telling them over and over again, that they felt that Isaiah was treating them like children, right? They felt like, Isaiah, come on, I'm a grown adult. Why are you speaking to me as if I'm a child? And Isaiah is saying this, I have to speak to you like a child because you're not getting it. You haven't grown up yet. And if you don't understand, it's not just about you. It's about the people that you're leading. And so the answer is simply this. Do you trust God? The simple message is, do you trust God and how do you treat people? That's really, when you, when, you, uh, when you put everything together, that's really at the core. That when a lie comes out of your mouth, the question is, well, you don't trust God. And I know that's hard sometimes because we're trying to trust God. And it's not meant to beat anybody up because, man, living in this world is so difficult. That's why the apostles were like, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. They want to get out of here real fast. We want to stay as long as we can. They were like, uh-uh, I want to get out of here. I want to get to that place where there's no more dying. There's no more, there's no more tears. Come on. And just wipes away everything from our, from our eyes, you know, and all those type of things. And so, and so as much as we want to stick around, the apostle was saying, no, I want to get out of here. And so since God has us here, it's important that we recognize that we have to trust in God, and so this message of Isaiah 28, 16, 17 is really a message of, of do you trust God? And because you trust God, here is where you now have to prove it. Here is now where you have to live it out. Someone say live it out. This is where you have to now live this thing out. I'm sorry if nobody told you when you gave your heart to Jesus, you got to live it out. There, there, there's, there's no private Christian. <laughs> It doesn't exist. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know who told you that, but, but there's no private Christian. The moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you made it public. Right? So, so if there's someone at work and you're talking to them like, oh, I'm a believer, and you've been working there for a couple of years, and you just found out now, you better tell them, turn your light on. <laughs> Come on, somebody, because I want to get out of this job, but God keeps me here. Why? Because there's probably other believers that who to turn their light on, and you need to let them know, come on, turn your light on so you can shine in this dark place. I'm about to walk out of here, but God's like, no, I'm keeping you here. And I'm like, I got to get out. God's like, I'm keeping you here because there's people that needs to know that there's no private Christian. There's no private Christian. And so Isaiah is really given this simple message. And the message is, do you trust God? And so he now comes and says, okay, I'm going to help you because, because if you are a foolish builder, now Jesus said it, not me. So don't send me emails. Send them to Jesus. He said there are foolish builders. That's what he said in Matthew 7. Here's a foolish builder. Here's what they do. And I'm, I'm going I'm to bring it really, really make it simple for you. He says a foolish builder does this. They make a choice. But because of the lie of the enemy, they don't recognize the consequences. So they make a choice typically based on pleasure and not pain. 
Because if you knew the pain, you wouldn't make it. So typically it's pleasure. Work with me, somebody out here, right? Every decision we make, choice we make, it feeds the flesh. And so it brings pleasure to some part of us. Maybe there's an area that we recognize that we are in pain, but the enemy brings pleasure. So we want to get out of that. And so therefore we make a choice. But because of pleasure, we don't realize the consequence. And with the consequences, every single time, because the foundation is not on Christ, it becomes a collapse. It collapses. It's falling apart. If you're in any relationship whatsoever and you've made a choice that's been based on lie, on a lie, just because you don't think it's falling apart right now, trust me, there will come a storm with your name on it. That will test that foundation. And because of God's kindness. And because we can make choices, here's what we do. We reinforce the lie because we don't want to humble ourselves, come on, and admit that that choice wasn't from God. So we change the word, come on. We change a belief to match our behavior. For God forbid that God is right and I'm wrong. God forbid that I move away from this foundation. And here's what's dangerous about it, right? Because when reading the scriptures in the book of Joshua, he goes to Jericho and he says, I want you to take out that city. Wipe it out. And so he says, take out the city because guess what? I've given that city plenty of time to repent. My grace extends to that city. And why do we know that God showed grace to that city? Because here was a prostitute. Oh, come on, somebody. God's amazing, man, because she made it in the genealogy of Jesus. Come on, somebody. So don't count out where you started from. Come on, because someone you meet, they just got to realize the choices you're making has consequences. You're going to collapse. But because somebody got into Jericho, shared the grace of God and said to her, if you hide us, come on. Mm. If if you don't report us, come on, somebody, because we're on God's assignment. That when we come to take over. If you put that, 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 that cord, if, 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 you just, if you just give us the indication, you and your family will be blessed. And, and so that happened. And so we see the grace of God. So no one can say when God destroyed Jericho that he wasn't being full of grace. Yes, you've you got to get to a place of God's wrath and God's love. God has no complications with that whatsoever. We have complications because we don't like it. We don't think it's fair. How dare you, God, do something that I don't like? And so we see grace right there in the middle of it. Even Solomon Gomorrah. He says, if there's ten righteous, I'll spare it. God who knows all things said to Abraham, because you care about the city because your nephew's there. Give me ten and I'll spare it. Just give me ten. And God said to America, America, just give me the righteous. Come on. And when the righteous people, if you want this nation, come on, to survive because empires have come and empires have fallen. Let's not get so high and mighty that we think the great American state, come on, the United States of America can't fall. If the righteous stays quiet, this nation will fall. And we need the righteous to open up your mouth and says, God, don't destroy this nation. Why? Because I live here. Bless this nation, oh God. In your wrath, God, have mercy. In your wrath, God, have mercy. You are justified to wipe us out. 
policies and plans we have made into law. God, you have every legal right to wipe us out. But God, please have mercy because my child's not savior. My nephew's not savior. My aunt is, oh my God, come on. They've made choices and consequences and they're about to collapse. But God, if you can have mercy, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. I'm laying in Zion a sure foundation. Oh, so good. That's why I love this nation. Because I love God. Don't get it the other way around. I love God. And ask God every single day. God have mercy on this nation. And so God now goes and he destroys Jericho. And this is the problem we have. Why people continue to make choices that brings consequences. And it's a collapse. And guess what we call that a cycle of destruction. And so he wipes out Jericho. And then Joshua 7, he says, never rebuild that city again. He says, never rebuild that city again. He says, whoever rebuilds that city, curse will be your firstborn. Oh, God. And what we do is when we see a collapse, we rebuild on that same foundation that caused the collapse in the first place. And God in his mercy comes to get you again, and you go right back and rebuild on the same thing again. And he says, you're foolish. It's foolish to think that God's going to change his nature so you can enjoy your pleasure. You actually think that you can convince God to change his mind about what he said about you by continuing to build something that keeps getting destroyed. And he's saying, stop it. Don't be foolish. He says, be a wise master builder. And in this hour, that's what God is looking for. Because whatever we build will be tested. And so Isaiah was saying, I'm going to lay a foundation, a tested stone, a precious stone. And really, Isaiah was talking about the forthcoming of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, he was talking about it. And he's saying that I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to lay a foundation. And so the question is this, do you want to be a wise master builder or will you remain a foolish master builder? You're building something. You're building something. Every single one of us, in the sound of my voice, was watching online, we are building something. Either building our ego, come on, or building the name of Jesus. Either trying to build up a marriage or trying to build up a prayer life. We are building Something And the question is, will we continue to be foolish builders or will we become wise master builders? That's a question for you today. That's a question for this hour. And so Isaiah now is speaking and he's saying to the nation of Israel, he's saying to Judah and to the nation of Israel, he's saying, listen here, we must behold God's foundation. Stop running to Jericho and rebuild something that's going to collapse again. Now, God is gracious. He's going to come. He's going to, be, he's going to get you again. He's going to say, okay, fine. Why? Because God's in covenant with you. But he's going to say you need to stop rebuilding on destructive places. It's the devil's playground. Do not go into the devil's playground and think he's going to play fair. Come on. He'll change the rules every single time you go into his playground. The consequences are to wipe you out. They're not just to make you feel bad. They're to wipe you 
out. It's to take out your light. It is because he hates Jesus. He can't stand Jesus Christ. The world hates the church because they hate Jesus. Why? Because he will not tolerate your behavior and he will continue to speak to your belief system. And Jesus is a threat to anybody who wants to live a life of rebuilding on the fallen rubble of Jericho. And so when you talk to people and you encourage them, you're telling them to forsake being fools and become wise. And because they're so familiar with it, they're like, I have no idea where to begin. And so you and I have to make a decision. We will become wise master builders. So how does that look like? Well, if you're going to be a wise master builder, you're going to behold, first of all, God's foundation. You're going to appreciate God's foundation. You're going to wonder at God's foundation. You're going to value God's foundation. Here it is now, and this is where we really want to, this is where we really want to be. And you're going to build your life upon it. This morning, God's going to expose that what you're trying to build is not on the foundation of his. The enemy has crept in and has told you things that were foundational. God said, that's not a foundation at all. That's a building. And he's saying, listen, in order for you to have, in order for your life, in order for you to be a wise master builder, you need a strong, write this down, you need a strong foundation. So write it down. So in order to build your life, you need a strong foundation. So God goes to the nation, I'll be that foundation. Oh my goodness. That I will be the foundation, that I'm laying in Zion a foundation, and that's Christ. But what you also need is you need strong materials to build on that foundation. Oh, can I share this, Lord? Yes, watch this, watch this now. There are three things that are coming. Prophetically, three things that are coming. The first one is the storms of life. And just like how we name hurricanes, you can name your storm. Come on. If you talk to people long enough, they'll tell you, this is a storm that I'm in right now. And so the reason why you have to have a solid foundation is to handle that storm. This is not judgment. This is just a storm of life. This is where Paul was said, I've got to go to Rome and to see Caesar. And so here Paul says, I need to go. And he gets on a boat. And guess what happened? This massive storm comes on. And they named the storm. It's in the book of Acts. And everything fell apart. And Paul was saying, listen, we shouldn't go, right? But the people overrode Paul. They're like, Paul, you know what you're talking about. So let's go. Paul says, okay, fine. And they're in the boat. And the boat massive massive attack i mean it was just ripped to pieces and and paul says i told you guys not to leave but since you left already god in his mercy is going to save everyone's life and and so we can see that there are just natural storms that happen in your life a storm of an unexpected death come on the storm of just financial ruin the storm of where you didn't predict it you put money in the stock market you did this you made a business decision you did this and and the person betrayed you and it's just it's just it's a storm can anybody identify with just a storm it's just a storm and god in his love is saying you need to recognize that those storms are coming don't go there but you want to read the book of job to really understand what i'm talking about there When I first got saved, that was the first book I read. That's not good for discipleship, by the way. 
first book was the book of Job. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But what you saw was the lies of the enemy behind the scenes saying, look, look, God, Job's only serving you. The only reason why he's excited because his foundation is this, because you're protecting him. But if you remove those protection, you'll, you'll really see that Job really doesn't love you, God. And so the enemy is a liar and he accuses you before God. And so the second storm that's coming is a storm of judgment. And this particular judgment now is, 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 is different. This is the judgment where God is shaking the church to see those who are really in the kingdom. He's shaking the church. In Hebrews, it talks about that, that there's a shaking going on, that, that God's voice is going throughout the earth, and, it, and it's causing people to be shaken. And we're seeing that right now with what's going on. There's a shaking happening in the church. The Bible says in Timothy that judgment must first begin in the house of God. Hello, somebody. And if we're judged, what would be of those who don't know God? But the third one is this. It's not a judgment of your resident. It's not a judgment of where you're going to spend eternity. You confess Jesus. You believe in your heart. And that's one area where no one can literally say to you, I don't know if you're really saved. That's between you and God. Now, you should produce fruit. You should, but one can argue, you don't know me. You don't know me. I'm saved. Knock yourself up. You just want to take it out of hell. That's good. But you should produce some fruit. You should. So you're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. I get all that. But there should be something. Those watching online, there should be, my God, if you've been saved for five years, there'd be some fruit in your life that you love Jesus. There's got to be something, right? I mean, something needs to change. Something at least needs to come to church more than just Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's got to be something that makes you want to be the people of God because you're saved. But I'm learning pastoring now that, that that's a dangerous area to go when you start to judge somebody's eternal place. It, it just messed up your mind because the enemy now will put thoughts in your mind and you will be able to not minister effectively to them because now you're trying to scare them out of hell. And by the way, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And so love is the, is, is the key. But, but this particular judgment is, is not of where you will spend your residence. This is the judgment of reward. That you probably don't hear a lot about. But... Uh, but see, if you want a thief on the cross type of relationship with Jesus, it's available. I'm dying. Remember me when you go in paradise, Jesus. <laughs> Made it in. Doors open. Come on in. See the kingdom. Great. But are you telling me that he's going to get a reward like the apostle Paul? Same resident different reward. And what he's saying is when you understand this foundation and a wise master builder doesn't just live for their resident, they live for the reward. Oh God. And so what they ask God for now, because they're on a solid foundation, they ask God for strong building materials. Ooh, good God Almighty. Because they recognize that he is Lord of their life, but now they recognize to build on his lordship, they need to make him the cornerstone of their life. And so what Isaiah is saying, which Jesus confirms is this, that get a strong foundation, church, 
but also have strong building material because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that your works will be tested by fire. And if it's made out of gold, if it's made out of silver, it's made out of materials that withstand the fire, great is your reward. But if it is made out of straw, right, if it's made out of stubble, if it's made out of these things that burn up, he says, you'll be saved, your residence is secure, but your reward burnt up. In other words, he's saying your motives weren't right when you were building. He said, everything that we do, a wise master builder recognizes that my motives, come on, is going to be judged by God. Oh, come on, that's so good. And so he said, I need to have strong materials to build with. And so what the enemy does is this. The enemy makes you believe, and I'm jumping ahead because I can. I'm jumping ahead because this is what the enemy does. The foundation is the family. And God's like, no, it's not. The foundation is the finance. He says, no, it's not. He says, the foundation is Christ. Come on. And so the enemy knows while we're trying to protect the foundation of family, which we should, come on, the enemy knows I'll attack the foundation of the solid ground. So therefore, they won't have strong materials to build a family in the first place. Oh, my God. The enemy's voice lies and he deceives. So he makes you focus on family and you forget Christ. So that your family can talk you out of the faith. Why? Because you made them the foundation, not Christ. Woo, come on, somebody. And I know this is hard for people because we think, oh, my goodness, it's family. But God is saying, it's a lie from the enemy. The foundation is Jesus Christ. What you need is strong material to build for your family. So you tell them to come on in. And when the storms come, come on, you can say, family, stay in place. Why? Because I built a foundation for days like this. Oh, God Almighty, I wish... I tried to recognize when the storms are coming. I told my daughters, listen, man, I love you, but I love God more. And while you might be out doing your thing, I'm building a foundation that is strong. And while you're doing your thing, I'm building with materials because I know there's a day coming where you're going to come back home. Everybody always comes back home. And I want to have a shelter. I want to have a place. Come on. That when the storms of life, the judgment and the shaking happens, I can say, stay sheltered in place. We got kids coming back to your house, but you didn't build a foundation and all of a sudden it's crumbling and they're like, what happened to the God that you're serving? Well, I was so busy worried about you. I didn't build a strong foundation and I didn't build from the right materials because I thought you were more important than Jesus. Oh, can I prove it? Someone say, prove it, preacher, prove it, preacher. They say, Jesus, your family is calling you. Who is my family? Come on, somebody. Who is my family? I'm about building a strong foundation because you need a strong foundation if you're going to be my daughters and be my sons. And so Jesus says, whoever does the will of God, that's my family. So we have our kids making decisions. You getting a headache. What? They're doing all sorts of things and you're losing your mind. And so, in the book of Job that I was told to first read when I got saved, his wife saw the storms. The children taken away. Oh, come on, somebody. His finance interrupted. And the question became, 
Job, are you a wise master builder or are you going to be foolish? He turns to his wife and she says, curse God and die. And some of you may have had family members that have said that to you. About your God. Come on, let me hit you right where it hurts. Dogged out your God and we collapsed. Because we want to be loving. Devil is a liar. Be a building. Build a home that's full of love. Come on, somebody. Build a home that's on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so he comes here and he makes it very clear. He says, will you be a master? Builder. And what we must understand to be a master builder is this. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? And the answer should be yes. Now make him the cornerstone of how you build your life. Here's what we do. We spend time and we do everything for everybody else. And then we, we build it. And then we say, oh, Jesus, can you come now and bless it? Can you come and see if it meets your standard? It meets my standard. So, so we build a ministry and it's really for our name, but we just attach Jesus to it. It's like he's the name on the outside of the building. Am I talking to anybody, right? And so all of a sudden now, when, when the storms come and it collapse, you realize he was never the foundation in the first place. You wanted him to come and test your building as opposed to you realizing, okay, it's safe. Now let me build. Oh, come on. And that's what we do. And so that's why when you look at the church and what's going on, people are coming in. And I'm telling you, if you want to build a big church, remove the foundation. Everybody would come to it because it's so easy. But when a devil visits your home, they're going to come back to that little small Pentecostal church. Come on. And says, my son is grievously ill with a demon. Come on, somebody. And that big church down there, and I'm not saying by size. Come on, because you could be big and still full of the Holy Spirit. Not judging what God is doing. But what I am telling you is this. This is what God's doing in this house. He's saying, Rowan, I'm building my church. I'm building my church. I'm building TGP. And it's not about attendance. It's about being wise master builders. Of solid foundation. If you haven't noticed by now, I'm a big believer in relationships. I believe in doing life together. This is in my DNA. I just put on the t-shirt because I like the ink or I like the print or it matched my skin color. Doing life together is in my DNA. And if we're going to build, if we're going to be wise master builders, we must get to the point of saying, God, you are the cornerstone. Not just the Lord of my life. That's one battle. But you now must become the cornerstone. See, the cornerstone and, and the reason why it's so important to have it is because this. Let me ask you this question. Why do we need Jesus Christ? Why do we need Jesus? Multimillionaire, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, the guy for Amazon that we all get, and UPS, ship his stuff. When you go, why do you need Jesus? You got all the money in the world. Why would you need Jesus? Now, I didn't say, who is Jesus? Because everybody can answer that. 
But why do you need Jesus? And our answer needs to be is this. Because see, the integrity of the entire structure of your life depends on Jesus. That depends on your finance. That depends on your creativity. The integrity of your life. Hear me, church. That's why Jesus so compassionate says, I'm going to build my church on my integrity. Oh, God. So therefore, you can build your life. And any integrity that we have is because we are on a foundation of Jesus Christ. Because we've all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That'll free somebody right there. It'll free somebody right there. We have built our families on a shaky foundation. Stories after stories of how family values have changed because a child's behavior changed and we just went right with it. Afraid that we'll lose them. And when the storms of life comes to your home, you have no solid foundation to stand on. If we truly believe God that he has the best for our lives, we will trust him and build our lives on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. The integrity. The integrity. Listen to me. I believe in government. I do. It's in Romans 13. I got to believe in it. Whether you like it or not, Romans 13 says all authority has been given by God and he give it to these individuals. Peter writes about it. Paul writes about it. But for God's sake, don't make the government be your foundation. For the sake of your sanity. I'll say it again because I felt that one. For the sake of your soul. I don't care what aisle you're on. Just make sure you're standing on the foundation. You feel me? And truth is truth. I don't care how it makes you feel. Come on, church. For the sake of your children. For the sake of the economy. Be a prophetic voice who stands on the integrity of God's word. He is the cornerstone, good God Almighty. I didn't say he has the corner office. I said he's the cornerstone. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God Almighty. It works, people. It works. All I knew with my girls, with Megan. I said, babe, all I know is Jesus. And I love you deeply. But I can't love you completely without having a solid foundation. And when I witness behavior, I have to scream out, you're believing a lie. In church, we will not be fooled by the enemy making us look at the behavior while he destroys the belief. We're wise master builders. And I can promise you without having to take a class on how to grow your church is if you decide today, I want to be a master builder of my destiny based on the integrity of the cornerstone that my life will be intact. I promise you we'd have to get a bigger building within a month. So many people out there right now that 
don't know what to trust, who to trust. And here's the deal. Your child may not run back to your house. But praise God, let them find God's house. Let them find God's house. Let them recognize that this is what it's supposed to be. And so number one, the integrity. So when people say, why do we need Jesus Christ? Because the integrity of your life depends on Jesus. He's the cornerstone. So no matter what you tell me, no matter if every check you write is good, your integrity still is flawed because you're a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. And I don't care how big your wallet is, how big is your faith in God? Because you can't pay your way into heaven. Come on. Don't you know that I'm the CEO of Apple Computer? Come on. I don't care. Like I said, come on, write this down. I don't care if you're in the corner office. I'm the cornerstone. Come on, somebody. Why do you need Jesus Christ? Let me more uh, personal. Why do you need Jesus Christ? Is it just resident or is it because you're getting to a place where you recognize that you need Jesus because he's the integrity of your structure? Number two. Number two. If the cornerstone was not exactly right, the entire building would be out of line. <laughs> so the cornerstone was a symbol for that which held life together. And so church, why do we need Jesus Christ? Why do we need Christ as the sure foundation of your life? What are you building? Who are you building it for? Why do we need Jesus Christ? That's the question. With man's ability and our, and, and our, it was so amazing. I remember my first experience in an Uber. It was so cool. I was in California and, and I was going for a meeting. And I mean, I got on my phone. I'm like, you can see, you can see the vehicle they had. It was showing the route of it. It was telling me it's two minutes away. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm sitting like I'm big time. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, look at me, technology. Do my thing. And that was to make my life more convenient, but it didn't make my life more free. And so what happened is all this technology, it's caused us to get to a place of where we really don't need Jesus. I can find my own Uber. Come on. What do I need you just? I can do this on my own. Why, let's be, can we be honest? Why do I need, I can build this relationship on my own. I don't need you, Jesus. But when I'm in trouble, I'll call you then. So, so in other words, Jesus, let me build it. Then I'll have you come and look at it and make sure it's okay. Why do we need Jesus? I end with that. Every head bow, every eyes closed. That was the climate and the culture Isaiah was dealing with when he made that statement. Why do we need Jesus? Look what we have done on our own. Why do we need Jesus? Come on, sing it. Yes. Why do you need Jesus? 
So let me share with you then the answer to why we need Jesus. So with the integrity that comes from the cornerstone and from the cornerstone being set that the building will stay in line, so I'll be in alignment. Here is why we need Jesus. Because I have to make a choice. Daily you have to make decisions. So I need Jesus because I can't make decisions on my own. If I make a decision that's out of alignment, everything else for my day and for my life is going to go this way. If I make choices without the integrity of the structure, the people who depend on me, things will collapse on them. That's why I need Jesus. So it's first, I have to make choices. But unlike consequences of the foolish builder, I need Jesus because he's the cornerstone of my choices. And number three is because of the construction. That I have been invited to people's lives and I have to build with them. And in order to build in someone's life, you need a building permit. You need authorization and you need accountability. And so as Blaine, Minister Blaine, my son, comes into my life, he has to make a decision every single time. He's got to know that the cornerstone is the standard by which he lives. Because God will use him to build me up, come on, so I can withstand the storms of life. Is what the enemy will do when he'll try to bring conflict between this. So that I'll remain under construction. And you all know how frustrating it is when you're trying to get someplace and there is construction not completed. That's why we need Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is an opportunity right now for you to come and give your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I need you in my life. I need you more than just for my residence. I need you for my reward. I need you for my rejoicing. I need you, Jesus. And so you accept Jesus by, by just saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. And I want to start building my life on your foundation. You can do that right now. If you're watching online, I encourage you to do that as well. But for those of us who know Jesus, it's time that you become a wise master builder. Say with me, I will become a wise master builder. One more time. It says, I will become a wise 
master builder. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 